Ticats Audio Network. This is the CFL This Week with Bubba O'Neill. Ladies and gentlemen, we've gone from nine to six to four, and now just two teams remain in the six-month journey to the Grey Cup in Regina. This is the CFL This Week on the Cats Audio Network. I'm Bubba O'Neill. Happy Grey Cup uh, Party Week for all of you. Of course, as I said, we've got an outstanding panel, as we always do. From TSN 1050 and CFL.ca, he is Matthew Cause. He's ramping up Sportsnet's coverage of the Canadian Football League on Sportsnet. He's Argos reporter David Morissuti. And still waiting for a win at home is the voice of the Edmonton Elks from CHGD. <laughs> He's Morley Scott. Thank you hey, for joining hey, us. Hey, hey, let me correct you there. I've seen a win at home, just hasn't been for a while. <laughs> what, three years? Yes. <laughs> oh, that is savage. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go right to the East final, which was which was a very good game, I think. The Argonites grinded out a 34-27 to victory over the Montreal Alouettes in that East final. But, you know, it seems to me just going, going through social media and, and all the places where CFL fans would go is that the doubters have still not disappeared about this Toronto team. So I'll start with you, David, because you're so close to the team. Do the Argonauts actually have to win the Grey Cup to earn a little respect from the Canadian Football League and their entire fan base across the country. Well, I think especially those out West who always have the opinion that the East is just not up to snuff, right? So it's always going to be like that. It reminds me a lot of 2017 in many ways, especially this matchup. You have a team that's battled through inconsistencies throughout the year, going up a team that's a juggernaut and has proved it time and time again. So, yeah, I think for, and for the Argos, they won't this season won't mean anything until they win a great cup. And they've been saying that since the start of the year. They've always maintained that. And I think themselves, they put that pressure on themselves more than their fans even do, and even fans across the league do. Morley, you're from your perspective from the West. Well, I think uh, I think any team in the East uh, is, you know, to get to the Grey Cup, obviously, I, I know we kind of talked about it a lot uh, over the years. The path is a little easier, but they're still there. And I think you have to put respect on any team that gets through uh, their division and gets to the Grey Cup. Uh, but every Eastern team that goes to the Grey Cup is going to be the underdog, and that's going to be the case this year as well. Uh, but uh, I, I think the Argos, I, I don't know, they're a better team than I thought they were going to be this year. I think they've, uh, in the last, you know, in the last month or so, I thought they played a lot better. And Obviously, uh, much better yesterday, and, and we're full credit for their win over Montreal, who uh, they, they really, I thought, did a number on the Montreal defense. Montreal's defense did not look as good as it has looked. Uh, you know, their offense was good. Trevor Harris was lights out in the game yesterday. Uh, but uh, it was the Montreal defense, I think, that let them down. And you got to give credit to the Argos for finding the weak spots in that defense. You know, Matt, that just seems to be the caveat with this. I mean, whether it's McLeod Bethel Thompson, the Argos defense, whether it's the head coach, maybe even Pinball Clemens, there's always compliments, but it's always set up with a but. Your thoughts? Yeah. And by the way, if if you suddenly hear a dog barking, I'm dog sitting right now, and he's been quiet the whole time until you start like talking to me. Um there's always going to be a yeah, but because the Argonauts are always going to be sort of the the black sheep of the entire league because of attendance or apathy or or this or that. But as for this football team, they brought in Jagera Davis, Brandon Banks, Andrew Harris. They they did moves to win now. And I thought the Argonauts offense, their best game of the season was against Montreal. They didn't allow a sack. 
Curly Gittens, uh, Devaris Daniels, uh, you know, did the job. MBT, none of the crazy mistakes or weird turnovers. Uh, I thought it was a really impressive performance by Toronto. Uh, they'll go in as an as an underdog against Winnipeg, but I think they got a good chance of winning the game. But David, is that the thing? Is it are they the underdogs because of the opposition or just because people still don't believe? Oh, I, I think uh, I think it's a, a definitely both. You know, this is a team that's battled through inconsistencies, especially on offense. You know, McLeod Bethel Thompson, this was his defining moment of his career so far because yeah. he had been able to bring it in the big pressure situation against a really good team. And, you know, as Matt said, he did not have those weird blunders that we've come to see from McLeod. It wasn't a perfect game for him, and he even kind of – alluded that uh yesterday and i think that's where everyone's gonna have that you know can mcleod bethel thompson do it again right like that's that's gonna be the he's the one that has to drive the ship in a way for this team if they're gonna be successful he was in against montreal winnipeg's a, a total other beast right you know that and that's where i think a lot of people are you know still bullish on the argos chances because mcleod bethel thompson hasn't been able to put it together as consistently consistently as he got, as he did yesterday. You know, Royal, that's kind of the thing I think about this Argonaut club that maybe make them kind of, I don't want to say like a West team, but they do have this strong defense that gets an off that, you know, that does enough on offense that seems to be improving through the season in terms of their offense and their abilities and put to put points on the board. Is this really going to be the best version we've seen from the East to represent in the Grey Cup? Uh, I think so in the last few years, just off, off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, um, they're, they're a good team. They would have almost made the playoffs if they were in the West. So they are a pretty good team, right? Um, oh, so, uh, <laughs> hey, how dare you? There was no crossover. There was no crossover this year. The East defended itself. If there was no crossover at all, the Argos wouldn't even make the playoffs if they were in the West because there'd be three teams ahead of them with more wins. But that's another story. Hashtag one division. We're all ready for it. Uh, anyway, uh, to me, to me, going into the game, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson's the guy that that is going to have the pressure on. I mean, he's been he's been good. He's put up numbers. He's led the league in in passing yards. What the last two years now? Uh, but for some reason, he doesn't get the respect that other guys who accomplish those things get. I mean, he gets less respect than a guy like Cody. Jardo, who hasn't accomplished what he's accomplished yet, and and I and I just think that uh, he's got a he can seal his fate kind of in the CFL with a win in this game coming up on Sunday. It's going to be tough because you know, I, I heard uh, somebody use the phrase the Argos offense did just enough to win. You got to do more than that when you're playing the Blue Bombers defense, though, because that's a ferocious defense that uh, will will stop you all all day long and and will take the ball away from you and will make plays all day long. So you're going to have to be very very good on offense to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for sure. Matt, what does the Argo fan have to boast about this week, saying that they can contend and win a Grey Cup? Montreal's pass rush destroyed Hamilton two weeks ago. Montreal's pass rush was pretty much null and void against the Argonauts. I would I would start there. Um, the receivers, Gittens and Daniels, they can create separation. They can find open spots. So that would be that would be where I would start. Also, these teams played once. It was a 23-22 game back in week four. And then finally, how is Zach Caleros's ankle looking? You know, I like if, if you're if I'm going to write the script for why, as an Argo fan, you should feel 
optimistic that you can hang with this juggernaut, this incredible team that I think people sometimes we get bored of because they've been so good. We should never take, we should not take them for granted, but those would be the reasons why Toronto can win. All right, guys, let's switch to the West here. Uh, David, again, I'll, I'll come right to you with this here. The Blue Bombers head coach, Mike O'Shea, when talked about to describe his victory, his team's victory over BC, he called it goofy, <laughs> which I thought was just an interesting word. What were your general thoughts of the game? Yeah, when we were watching it after the Argos pressers in the in the press box, we we're just like, this is such a weird game. I don't know if the players were just trying to get a feel for the conditions of, you know, with snow on the ground. I, we were just, we were a little baffled that, you know, so many mistakes, uncharacteristic mistakes by both teams. And that's, that's, I guess, where Michael Jake kind of thought it was goofy because these aren't the mistakes you expect the Blue Bombers to make, you know. And even for BC, you saw some uncharacteristic things from Nathan Rourke to kind of throughout the game. So, yeah, I, I thought, it didn't this the blue bombers did what they usually do and they find a way to you know get through those uh tough times and just stick to the script but at the same time those goofy mistakes can cost you in an even bigger game if the opposition is able to take advantage and i was a little surprised that uh they got away with it more than they did in the west final but Morley, isn't this the kind of theme for the Blue Bombers all year long, even if they start playing goofy? <laughs> I just love that word. That regardless of their goofiness in this West Final, they continue to find ways to win. They still won. That's that's what the, that's how good they are because you know they get you know their offense isn't firing and it wasn't you know even though it got three touchdowns in the game yesterday uh, the offense you know was was misfiring a little bit. They had a great ground game from Brady Oliveira, which was great. But I mean uh, Zach Kolaris didn't complete a ton of passes, didn't make a ton of passes. Uh, he coughed the ball up a couple of times. They looked a little bit out of sync, I thought, on offense for part of the game. And I think maybe the field conditions and the weather might have played a role in that. But despite all that, they still won and they still won. It was only eight points, but I mean, it's really a two touchdown lead until BC got that touchdown in the in the fourth quarter to make it a little bit closer. The Bombers, to me, were in control of that game from start to finish. The Lions had a good push at the end, but weren't able to get close enough. And I think that's that tells you just how good Winnipeg is. Even when when some of their star players don't have great games, they still wind up winning because they're a really good team more than anything else. They you know uh, look at the start of the game. I mean, the offense comes up. They march down the field for a touchdown. The defense comes up and uh, they get a two and out. And special teams come out and they get a punt block, which was obviously called back because of the the, the roughing the kicker call. But I mean, everybody did their job later in the game. Special teams gets a gets a touchdown on a punt return. I mean, they're just so good in every asset, every facet of the game that they're going to beat you. You just don't know how they're going to beat you. And by the way, to add to that, I thought Winnipeg easily could have won by more before that first Lions touchdown, which was just weird. You know, Darby dropped what should have been an interception. Oh, yeah. I go back and look at – I think there was at least three catchable interceptions that the Bombers' defense dropped. They dominated that game defensively. Nathan Rook, I don't know how much it was just injuries or the weather, but Winnipeg swallowed him up. 28-20 kind of flatters the BC Lions. 
Bombers are clearly already the Achilles heel for Nathan Rourke, whether he comes back or not. I mean, he was going great guns. Both teams were, were, were winning their games at the start of the year, and then uh, they played Winnipeg, and Winnipeg blew him out early. Then he came back. He looked pretty average in the last game of the year against Winnipeg and looked pretty average again yesterday. He made yeah. some plays. Really good quarterback, and I don't think, you know, the sky's the limit, obviously, for Nathan Rourke, and we may not see him ever again in the Canadian Football League, but uh, he is he's a guy who can play, but for some reason, he's had issues with that Winnipeg defense uh, throughout the season and their defense was unbelievable and you're right I, I kind of always thought the bc were fighting like they were always trying to come back even though yes they were behind on the scoreboard but i thought that at even when it got to eight points that uh you know it seemed like a bigger mountain to climb for them to actually you know even up that game or get closer uh but it, again, we talk about this goofiness and that are they vulnerable? Is this is this the most vulnerable team that we're going to see, uh, at least a version of the Bombers, Matt, that uh, we've seen in some time? I think I think the only vulnerability said before is I just saw the shots of Caleros kind of limping around a little bit. I think that's where the vulnerability uh, comes from. I think that whatever the mistakes that were made, I think that's a lot more just about weather. I don't think they'll make those same mistakes next week in the great cup but if caleros if his mobility when you think about one of the best things about him is his ability to extend plays by being able to just move around in the pocket and wait for guys to get open if he can't do that then yeah yeah baba this this is a very vulnerable version of the team well let's slide right into the next topic then there morley i'll come to you on this well whoa what should be their biggest concern this bombers team uh, and yes, there there is obvious. I mean, he looked. I mean, the fact that Zach Caleros looked to go out on that, you know, if you want that final drive, final second to drive of the game to kind of run down the clock, and he pulled himself. He yeah. pulled himself and pointed to Brown and say, "Get in there. I can't. I can't go." So that's obviously he's obviously in pain because Zach wants to, like any other starting quarterback, they want to play through the pain. Yeah, but then there's this, the, sorry, just then, then there's this Mark Leggio like. This guy misses a couple of extra points. He missed more extra points than anyone else in the Canadian Football League of the regular kickers. His, his percentage is about 80%. Uh, only Boris Beattie was worse all season long. But Beattie attempted like 51 field goals. So I don't know how you want to balance that. What's your bigger concern here if you're head coach Mike O'Shea? The, the consistency of your kicking game or Zach Caleros? Uh, to me, it's got to be Caleros and, and being healthy. I mean, he's the guy who touches the ball every play. He's the engine, right, that, that drives that offense. And if he can't go, it's a pretty pretty big step down from an MOP to Drew Brown, right? Uh, and I think that's got to be the biggest concern. Not saying Brown couldn't do it, uh, but, I mean, it's a big drop uh, for sure. They have kind of worked with with Legio throughout the last couple of seasons, and despite the fact that he's had his struggles, uh, they've been able to win the football games, the majority of the football games, uh, more than their fair share, plus win the Grey Cup game last year, even though they had to go out and get uh, Sergio Castillo to come in and kick field goals for them uh, down the stretch. This year they decided to stick with Legio. Uh, he's had his issues. That's who he is, right? They, he's, he's become a little bit more consistent field goals. He did have some important field goals yesterday. Uh, was a big part of it, but he missed some converts. But if you're scoring touchdowns and not getting converts, then you're probably going to be okay still, uh, especially with that defense that Winnipeg has because uh, they're not going to give up a ton uh, the other way. So I think that's it. But for sure, those are the two things I'm sure. If if Mike O'Shea's losing any sleep, it's over over Zach Kolaris's ankle and uh, Mark Leggio's foot. The interesting thing, David, is he lost them a game this year in overtime because of his inconsistency at kicking. And really, he hits those two extra points. And I don't think there's that close feeling. 
in this game if he hits those two extra points. No, that's definitely true. And I remember that game where he was missing, like the game against Montreal, where he missed the, the extra point, and you know it led to them losing their un, you know undefeated record at that point. And yeah, you, you don't want to give the other team any hope that they can come back in a game. You know, BC felt like they were still in it right to the end because they were right and. You you definitely when the weather's a, fa- a factor and you might not be able to do exactly what you do on doing offense, you got to take the points when you can get them right. Especially when you have a defense as good as Winnipeg does, they're gonna don't they'll, they'll rise to the occasion if they know that. All right, you don't have to go out and get us thirty points. Just make sure that when we get the opportunity to score, we're doing it. And if he's not doing it. It's going to be a very tough time for Winnipeg, especially if the offense is limited in any way. And for Toronto, like Toronto's defense does not get enough credit for how much they can get to the quarterback. And they're going to make a very, and in this game against Montreal, that they came up with the plays when they need to at the right times and they limited Montreal to field goals. Like Montreal was only in that game too because they were able to get the field goals they did that they did at the times that they did. So for, Winnipeg, they got to take advantage of any chance they can score because Toronto's defense is not going to give them any opportunities as well. Matt, Matt when you think about it, they're playing in the Great Cups playing being played in the newest stadium, we'll say, right? Yeah. I mean, so I guess the the ability to keep field conditions are going to be critical in this game. And I'm sure the CFL are going to do their very best. But we talked about the poor conditions in Winnipeg yesterday. It's colder and there's more snow in Regina right now than there is in Winnipeg. So Kicking is going to be an adventure, and your your quarterback's operating on a wonky ankle. Like there's some concern there. And, and if I'm if I'm Winnipeg, I'm looking at that that Williams standback like 54 yard touchdown run, where the Montreal offensive line just overwhelmed the left side of Toronto's defense. And I mean, Winnipeg is stacked with all pro linemen that have all been together for year after year after year. So it could be another Brady Oliver. Um, Olive, I can't pronounce his last name. Oliveri. Even that, I think I screwed up. Uh, I think it's gonna. <laughs> I stink. I think it's gonna be like. I think the storyline easily could be the 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 mentor overtaking the teacher. You know, Brady, uh, Brady versus uh, versus Andrew Harris. If, if I'm Winnipeg, I'm, I'm. Oh yeah. See, Louis also angry at me for screwing up that name. Uh, but if, if I'm Winnipeg. I'm looking at just controlling the clock, just just plunges up the middle. Morley, did you see that? That's kind of attack. Do you see? Is that the kind of attack? I mean, I guess they seem to be so balanced, this offense. But, I mean, the Toronto defense are going to know what's coming anyway. Like, I mean, they, they've only played them once. But, yeah, there's a, a lot of tape to understand how this Bombers team can be attacked. And if you can just limit the running game, well. Then there's Dalton Schoen and Craig Ellingson and everybody else, right? Uh, they can do it other ways, too. Uh, Calaris, hopefully, if he's healthy, can run as well. So uh, they can get you in many ways. I mean, uh, then they got the, the kick returner who can score points as well. But, uh, yeah, their offenses, it's not easy to stop. I mean, uh, when Brady Oliveira wasn't going very well at the start of the year, uh, he uh, their offense was was making uh, was making great strides with uh, with the receivers. They were scoring a bunch of touchdowns through the air. Uh, then Oliveira got going as the season progressed, and that made them even better. Uh, there's not a lot of holes in this uh, in this Winnipeg uh, in this Winnipeg team on their offense. If you shut down the run, uh, 
Dalton Dalton shown. He's you know I mean like he's going to be the rookie of the year. He's 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 just been a tremendous find for the Blue Bombers this year after they lost a couple of pretty key receivers. Uh, and uh, I think they'll do fine. I, it's going to be pretty tough to stop this offense for the uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because they have so many really solid weapons. Around the horn on this question, guys. Start with you, David. If Drew Brown is going to come in this game. We'll say if he's forced to come into this game, your thoughts, can he win them the Grey Cup? He can if that defense steps up to the to the task, right? I, I think it's going to be more so what can Winnipeg's defense do against the Argos offense because um, Drew Brown has, you know, it's not like he hasn't played. They gave him, they gave him some reps and they were fortunate. They were up in so many games that they could get him into games and, and, and some, and, and some snaps. So it's not like he's coming in cold has, has been playing a lot, but at the same time, we're talking about all these weapons that Winnipeg has. How's, how's the chemistry going to be right with a different quarterback? Can he do what Zach Claro says, which is extend plays? Cause the Argos defense is going to smell blood if they see you know an inexperienced quarterback that's struggling to get going and isn't able to bring that mobility because that's something that the uh, that that they can take advantage of the Argos defense, a mobile quarterback that can extend plays. The pass rush tends to overplay it sometimes, and it allow that's what uh, Trevor Harris did in the East final. That's what made him successful. But Drew Brown's going to have to replicate that, and that's that's a tough ask, especially in a big moment like that. Matt, the Drew Brown show. Week one, he came in late uh, and helped Winnipeg escape with a win against Ottawa. And if Drew Brown is in, it's not going to be the Drew Brown show. It's the Willie Jefferson, Jackson, Jeffcoat, Adam Big Hill show. That's it. It becomes a different game. It is short passes, screens, and 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 just a lot more running. And you know, you're not going to ask him on second and nine to throw that dangerous out it's it's going to be i think a different game plan from a coaching staff that's pretty good morley i'll start with you on this and you you brought up his name so i'll start with you on this and i I don't know if you all saw the the entire end of the west final the trophy presentation and there was a probably about a 20 second shot of nathan rourke with brian burnham in absolute tears, like just, you know, crying like a little boy. And I don't know what that meant. If that was that like, you know, disappointment about the loss. I'm sure there was some feelings of that. Was that also, you know, it's been a great year, guys. Uh, I've enjoyed my time in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Do you expect Nathan Rourke to be back with the BC Lions in 2023? Uh, you know what? I'm thinking he might be, but there's still that chance that someone's going to give him an opportunity. And I think Nathan Rourke, you know, if he gets a chance to go to the NFL, he's going to go, whether it's as a backup or, or whatever the case may be, because he could get to the NFL. Obviously, the money is better, but the experience is better. And it might, even if it's just for a year or two, as a backup, he'll become a better quarterback for when he comes back to the Canadian Football League. I, I, I think uh, if you would have asked me after week seven or eight, if he was going to be back, I would probably say no, because he was lighted up. But I think the the injury kind of uh, uh, set him back a little bit. And I think how he played yesterday maybe set him back a little bit as well. And I think teams will take a long, hard look at him. And I'm I'm not sure if anybody will sign him uh, this year. They may they may want to see another year of play in the uh, in the Canadian Football League first. And I mean, and, and he's got time on his hands. He's only 24. But I mean, what a start he had and what a great. Uh, first half of the season he had. And and from that first half of the season, it really leads you to believe that he's got NFL scout talent and NFL skills. But 
will the NFL see it that way? That's a tough position to be a, an, an undrafted free agent player coming in to get any time in the, in the national football league. It doesn't happen uh, very often. Their, their, their time at quarterback goes to guys they draft and guys they, 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 they groom and, and, and get ready for that position. He's it's, it's a tough position for anybody to be in, to go in there as an undrafted free agent, but especially at quarterback. So if he does go, I wish him all the best, but I, I think he might end up being back in the Canadian football league, much like, like Ricky Ray and Henry Burris and a lot of other great quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League who spent some time in the NFL, just couldn't get the traction that that everyone thought they would end up coming back and pick up their great careers here uh, when they return. He'd already be the best quarterback on the Carolina Panthers. Here is <laughs> yeah, you, but you don't give him a chance, though. That's the whole thing. They would they could I sign him and they wouldn't play him. Here's you, don't, you, my don't, you, don't, you don't like PJ Walker? <laughs> yeah, not really. I like the name. The name says I'm a, I'm a quarterback for like a football movie where the producers couldn't get the rights to NFL <laughs> logos. So then it's played by Keanu Reeves. But here's my message right now to Justin Trudeau. Justin, some people like you, some some don't. Hey, you're a politician. What you need to do is if you're going to do a carbon tax, we need a work tax. Every Canadian citizen is taxed 38 cents, you know, or a dollar fifty each to pay for Nathan's salary to keep him the BC Lions. It is imperative for the country of Canada. We must block him from going to America. No free trade. No free trade. Tax the citizens. Keep Nathan in Canada. But Matt, what what if he wants to go? Like, that's the thing. Bubba, I'm selfish. I don't care about his (laughs) feelings and desires. I'm a selfish sports fan. I want my sports happy. And my sports happy is higher with him kicking ass in the CFL versus him fighting Baker Mayfield for reps in practice. Dave, that, this is a tough one because the, there may be, and it, and that, I don't know why I felt that way when I saw that shot. I'm like, was this the, the disappointment of the loss, the fact that he probably held himself to a, a higher standard and did not perform the way we expected him to? There was just so much in that shot. What did you see? I saw He's young. Yeah, I saw a young quarterback who did everything he could to come back from an injury that not many could come back from in the timeline that he did be that close to potentially getting your team to a great cup, an incredible season, one of the better seasons you'll see from a Canadian quarterback and almost a quarterback in general, and coming up short. And I think that, and it's also, as Morley just said, a young player who's never really probably experienced that in his life, and especially in a professional setting, right? So I I think for him, I, I selfishly want to see him back because there's unfinished business there. There's a team in out west that needs to be unseated in Winnipeg. And I, I keep saying that Nathan Rourke gives the West the best chance to do that because he's just that good and he's that special. You know, Morley, you I, go back to the those great 80 teams, you know, where uh, Tom Wilkinson passed the torch over to Warren Moon with the Eskimos, if I can still say that. I don't even know anymore. Um he wanted to stay to improve himself. Do you think that's something that Nathan might think? They say, "Hey, you know what? I got. I'm. I am young, and maybe I need to play that full season before I get our. You know, test the NFL waters." 
Yeah, I, I think he will probably get some tryouts, and I think he'll he'll attend those tryouts, and then he'll have to weigh any kind of offers and how much money up front is being offered to him to see what kind of a, a commitment teams are giving him. But I mean, it's it's the carrot, right? Like that's if you're a football player, you want to play in the NFL. If you're a hockey player, you want to play in the NHL. So you can't blame him for wanting to do that. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the uh, I'm naive a little bit, but I find it hard to believe that at that moment yesterday afternoon, Nathan Rourke was. Uh, leaning on Brian Burnham's shoulder and was uh, upset and emotional because he was leaving. I think he was upset and emotional because he just lost a playoff game that could have got him to the Great Cup. Uh, I, I don't think he's thinking about where he's going next year. Uh, how can he think about it? A, he's under contract. I know there's the window that he can that he can uh, that he can sign with the NFL. So he hasn't been contacted yet. He hasn't had any opportunities given to him. The NFL's in the middle of their season right now. Uh, I I just think that. So much of, of his NFL journey is still unknown and still has to be proved. Uh, and, and you know, we got we to gotta read that book yet. And I just don't think that that's on his mind yesterday when he's losing that football game the way they lost it. Last one to you on that, David. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think also the CFL needs to realize how can we keep our best talent here, right? You know, yes, you want the best players to be playing in the best leagues. You want to see the Canadian game get more recognition doubt south. We also want to see the fans up here attached to the game by being attached to the stars that can stay here for as long as they can, right? We talk so much about how teams go through so much changeover, how many players get changed every year. Being able to keep your best quarterback in the league, I think is so vital to the to the CFL. You talk about what it did to that BC market. I like you tell me the lines if they had the chance, I'm sure they would want to give Nathan Rourke whatever he is looking for if they had the ability to do that as well. You, you Matt, I got to come back to you with this one because I remember Chris Williams was a fine uh, wide receiver uh, kick returner with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and he was under contract. And as you're right, Morley brings up, he's under contract. Like he's still got really one more year left with the BC Lions. But Chris wanted to leave. The Tiger Cats didn't allow him to leave, but he left anyway, right? So yes. if, if if the BC Lions get into this situation and say, hey, Nathan, you're with us, you signed a contract. Or do you make it or does you know if he says, look, I want to try my shot at the NFL, do you say, I mean, what stance would you take if you were a more a more Omar? Now I can't now I'm now I'm you, Omar Doman. <laughs> yeah. How dare you blame me? Um, but it was the right <laughs> call. I would have done the same thing. If you're the BC Lions. You say, we wish you all the best. How can we help you on your journey? And we want you to succeed in the NFL, even if privately they, they don't. They want them up here. But you got, you know, it's a, if you love someone, set them free if they return, whatever that expression is. But that that's what you got to do. Because if you fight it and he still goes and it's bad feelings, guess what? If he doesn't work out in the NFL, he's going to be booting out Cody Fajardo and saying, I'm Saskatchewan's new quarterback. So if you are the Lions, your job is to maintain as good a relationship as you can with him as you're trying to convince the government for slush funds and tell Randy we can't have a salary cap. Morley, last one to you on that. I, I was just going to say, I think the situation is different 
from from Chris Williams to to Nathan Rourke because I think when Chris Williams was trying to leave Hamilton, the window was gone at that point, and players didn't have the window, and teams had to release him. Uh, Nathan, the BC Lions can't stop him. He's got that. It's in the CBA, right? He's got that window where he can negotiate with NFL teams and can sign with someone and then go. and And if he doesn't make it, his rights revert back to the BC Lions. But yeah, if if I'm the BC Lions, I want to exactly. Uh, like Matt said, you, you gotta you gotta wish him well. You gotta do everything uh, you can to help him succeed because when he comes back, if he comes back, you don't want him signing with Winnipeg or Edmonton or 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 one of your rivals. You want him to be comfortable enough in you and and how much you helped him that he'll come back and sign with you. There's you know there's been a lot of guys who've gone to the NFL and then come back and signed with other teams and got on to great careers, right? Uh, you don't want that to happen with Nathan Rourke because you know you drafted him, you found him, you, you groomed him, and Whenever he becomes that CFL superstar, if it happens, you want it to be in BC. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are on the verge of a word that we either love or hate in sports, and that is dynasty. Three straight Grey Cups has not been done since, I guess, 83 when the uh, Edmonton Eskimos won five in a row. And we brought that team up just a couple moments ago. Uh, Matt, our dynasties good for the Canadian Football League. Yes, as long as it's as long as it's not always dynasties like the run in the NBA where we knew who was going to be in the finals every year. I like dynasties, you know, it, it's like paprika. Give me a little bit of it here and there to to really, you know, uh, to help them with the sauce, but I I don't want it all the time. What I love about dynasties is it creates a higher level of gravitas for the team that knocks them out. It puts these greater stakes in a great cup from a historic point of view. What I don't like is 20 years of, say, the same two teams. But every now and then when a dynasty rises, I am absolutely all for it. And again, I think sometimes we might take this Winnipeg team for granted. It is an incredible run they've had since 2019. David, that's the kind of interesting comment that I've, I mean, talking to people around the league, especially right on this program, is that some people not only take the Bombers for granted, but they were, they're hoping for them to lose because they feel like they're bored of them already. So I, I just, I, that's why I asked this question because I, I, I do feel like there are people that respect what they've done, but some just don't want to see them in the championship game again. Yeah, I mean, how many people were rooting for the Lions, not just because of get to get Nathan Rourke there, but because let's see something a little different in the Grey Cup, you know. But at the same time, it just reminds every team that this is the standard, right? This is the standard you have to follow if you want to be a really good team in the CFL. And this is what every team should be following if they want to create a really good Grey Cup contending roster. So... Yeah, I'm sure there's some people who are going to be bored of the fact that Winnipeg's there for a third time. But it also just reminds teams that, you know what, if you don't want Winnipeg there, this this is what you got to do to beat them, right? This is what you have to do to get to their level. And I think it's you have to recognize when a team is just that good, you got to do what you can to get to that level and not just hope that they slip up somewhere as well. Or do you represent that that last team to have the dynasty? 
it, I mean, it's certainly respected in Edmonton. And I think re- really respected around the Canadian Football League because those were wonderful teams. Yep. But is that the same feeling Dif- right now? Different era for sure because there's no salary cap and everybody, you know, free agency was a secret back then, right? And there was uh, it was much easier to keep your team together. But uh, I'm with Matt. Everybody hates a dynasty until you're one, right? Uh, then you love them. But everybody hates a dynasty. And I, I, I don't mind uh, Winnipeg winning three in a row. I think it is pretty special and it is pretty cool. But I don't want to see – Toronto win three in a row next, or I don't want to see someone else win three in a row for the next three years. I mean, we went through that stage in the NHL at one stretch where you knew it was either uh, the Canadians, the Islanders, or the Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup, and that happened for like 15 or 20 years, right? Uh, nobody wants to see that, and and I think it's it's cool, and it's great, and it's it's going to be something that uh, people will talk about, uh, but I don't want to see another team win it for three straight years if Winnipeg wins it in three years in a row. I mean, but the CFL hasn't had that issue. I mean, when was the last time – they had uh, it was a Montreal in uh, nine and ten. Yeah, yeah, that that one yeah. or two in a row. So it's been it's been over ten years since it's happened. So I I think the CFL is okay. This is truly this is truly something special. I think the the pandemic plays into it a little bit as well with them to be able to keep their team together over a season that that didn't happen. And I think that plays into it as well. It's also less wear and tear on a team to win it, you know, two in a row, but over three years. So I think that helps them as well moving forward. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't mind. I, I think I kind of like, would like to see Winnipeg win three in a row, but I don't want to see him win four in a row. And I don't want to see the next team win three in a row. <laughs> three, three is the magic number. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Cut it off at that point. Unless it's my team, right? Everybody hates a dynasty until they are one. Thank you. It's, it's all about our own sports greediness. Thank you for Marley for embracing my very selfish philosophy. <laughs> Well, let me know. I, we are on the Ty Cats Audio Network, so let me have a little fun here, Matt. Like, if it was Ty Cats and uh, and uh, Bombers again, would that? Oh, I wouldn't even you? watch. I wouldn't even watch. I'm so tired of that. Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, just you'd be sitting there in every play. Oh, is Dane going to throw an INT? Is oh. Dane going to throw an INT here? Listen, and I, I joke, I kid. I'm a proud McMaster alum. Every time I root for Hamilton to win it, and every time the stupid win came up in the last breakup. Uh, but no, you don't want the same two teams doing battle. You you need a little variety. <laughs> David, Ty Cats yeah. Bombers, one more time. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I think just having a, a you know once in a while. I know everyone likes the flavor of vanilla. Once in a while, let's mix in chocolate. Let's mix in strawberry. Hell yeah. <laughs> More, more like I guess you're you're in the you, you you're not in for the Ty Cats rematch. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I I like Hamilton. Love going to Hamilton. Uh, enjoy the coffee. Uh, but uh, man, uh, I, I wouldn't want to see that. I don't think that would be actually good for the CFL uh, uh, for it to happen three years in a row because you don't know if you're watching a replay or if you're watching the game live. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, this is let's get serious here, guys, because this is going to this is it, it always is a point of contention. It's always a, a great discussion. And uh, I, the commissioner sometimes can be under a lot of heat here. Matt, again, we'll start with you here. Uh, he's going to have his State of the Union address. What will be the biggest headline coming out of that or uh, his biggest um, point of concern? I'll even say uh, when he gives his uh, State of the Union address. I think it's really just about, I mean, the main thing is you can talk about the the bottom line and the clubs, who's making money, who's not and all that. For me, I just, I always want to know, is there a sense of labor stability? Is there a sense that both sides, even they're not always going to agree on everything, they shouldn't agree on everything. That's not the nature of, of a worker, you know, a boss sort of, you know, union boss relationship. But is there at least a consistent amount of workable harmony between the two sides. David? 
for me, it's how are you going to engage the younger younger fans, right? How are you going to reach out to those those that generally just don't really know what the CFL is all about and what makes the CFL as good of a league as it is? Morley? Uh, butts in the seats. That's the thing I think they have to uh, address more than anything else. Uh, uh, attendance everywhere is down, not just in the CFL and all of pro sports. And you have to figure out a way to get that attendance back. The CFL has to find a better way to reach out to their fans, make their fans feel a part of it again. Uh, it's been tough because the CFL really was the only league where you could make contact with players, where you could see players, right? Where some guys in the stands made more money than some guys on the field. It doesn't happen in any other sport than, than the Canadian Football League. And they got to figure out a way to get uh, to get the fans back into it, to, to get them enjoying the game and to get them back in the stadium and buying tickets. Uh, but David's right too, uh, man. They got to get they got to get the kids involved. They got to get the kids involved, uh, and that's that's probably a big picture thing. And it starts with uh, you know, uh, I mean, every CFL stadium I go to when the game's over, I see the kids on the field playing uh, and having a great time. It starts there, right? The players coming out and talking to the kids. It all starts there. We've lost a generation or maybe two in between those, you know, those eight, nine, ten year olds that play on the field after games, and you know, the thirty or forty year olds who all they want to do is watch the NFL. You can like both leagues at the same time. Both leagues have have their own strength. Both team, both leagues have their own uh, weaknesses. You can enjoy both leagues at the same time. We got to make sure it's not a one or another thing. But yeah, it's 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 kids. You got to get them involved in the game again. Which which, like I said, we've missed a generation or two right now. You know, bumps and seats is such a big topic of discussion. And David, like, well, I mean, the Argos had a, a twenty-two thousand, almost nearly twenty-two thousand in this at BMO Field. Why can't that happen all the time? I think people, for, for first, they they don't know what type of team they're going to get every week, right? There's just a little bit of the uncertainty there. Toronto just has so many options, right? You have the Leafs, you have the Raptors, and especially in the summertime, you got the Jays. You have Toronto FC. There's just so many options in this city. Like even exhibition, if you're trying to go there, was a disaster because right across from the game was a Royal Winter Fair. There's just so many options in the city that they need to make sure that they're giving the telling people that you're going to be coming to one of the best things you can you go and experience in the city, and that's the CFL game. They have to sell it as that. There's people who are going to have their beliefs about the CFL because it's not the NFL and all those things. They need to just say you're coming for an experience and a great time, more so than trying to com- say that you're competing with the NFL. Like they gotta, they gotta remove that stigma away from this team. You know, Steve Simmons, the Hall of Fame CFO writer, brought this up, Matt, and and you work on TSN and have done TSN television as well. Yep. The 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 are if you break it down, the ratings for Argo games are outstanding. The rate, the, the, the attendance is poor. Flip it to Major League Soccer. The attendance is fantastic for TFC, but surprisingly brutal on television. What gives there? Atmosphere. There's just something about a TFC game is a party. An Argonaut game is not a party for whatever reason. Maybe it's the demographic. Maybe the crowd is filled with too many people like me who still don't fully understand how to work the old TikTok machine. But it is this party atmosphere. It's the place you want to be. The Argonauts, they've never been able to do it. And there is no one way. It's just, it's this mysterious thing that just is, you know, um, 
We're going to try the tailgates. We're going to try the cheaper beer. We're going to try to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And it hasn't worked. There's there's an it factor that just doesn't, uh, that going to an Argo game doesn't have that same cachet. And in a city like Toronto, where, you know, it is about status and things like that when you're younger. And again, I know that's a bit of an overgeneralization. Toronto, um, they don't have it. And 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 they never have for for whatever reason. The only thing I can think of is is you would like to see if there was recognizable star names that were there three, four, five, six years, where you can more of a sense of connection. You know, you don't with free agency with everyone flipping teams all the time. It's hard if you got a nine year old to be excited because the next year that your nine year old was excited about player X. Well, they're now in they're now in Ottawa. Morley, I mean, I know the attendance has been an issue for the Elks. Um, and, you know, TV wise, when you look at it, you got the biggest stadium in the league. So when there's 15,000 people there, which might be a decent crowd, it doesn't look very good. Looks horrible. You're right. Uh, and especially in Edmonton, most of the fans buy tickets on the other side. So uh, behind the cameras, there's usually more more people in the seats than there are in front of the cameras. But yeah, it's it's. I think in Edmonton, it's a different issue. I think the fans in Edmonton, uh, a lot of them still upset about the name change. A lot of them are upset about a huge disconnect between the fan base and the organization, which uh, they're trying to repair right now. Uh, the new the new regime has recognized that uh, that disconnect, and they're trying to repair that. I think it's different from, from other places. Like you guys are talking about uh, Toronto. Matt was talking about Toronto and, and the pecking order. And I think that starts with ownership in Toronto. The Argos are clearly not important to ownership in Toronto. It's all about the Leafs, the Raptors and, and the soccer team. Uh, the Argos are seem from here anyway, from Edmonton, it seems that, that the Argonauts are, are just something that, that MLSE has and uh, they, they just don't do anything with it. And, and they don't seem to promote it as much. They don't seem to, to advertise it as much. It just doesn't seem to be the same for, they don't treat the Argos the same as they treat the other uh, organizations. And I think the fans see that. I think it's the case in the media as well. I've noticed that traveling around the last couple of years, especially uh, media coverage is really dropping off. Uh, in in other cities, I mean, like uh, you know, there you know, teams don't travel radio guys, teams don't travel newspaper guys in some cities now, and it's just not it's not the way, right? And I and I think fans see that, and I think fans understand that. Oh, if it's not important to them, why should it be important to me? I mean, I go back to you go back to uh, switch to hockey to the World Junior Championships, right? That wasn't a big tournament. They used to play that. There used to be cinder block walls in the stadiums, the arenas they played that in, right? Uh, now it's a big deal. It's a big event. You know why? Because TSN made it a big event. TSN told you it's important, and now you believe it's important, and you get excited about it, and it's sold out every year, and it's a big event on the calendar. Uh, and I think the CFL needs more of that. Uh, the CFL doesn't treat itself, I don't think, uh, as importantly as they should. I don't think the media treats it that way. And I just think that everybody's noticed it. And if it's not important to them, why should it be important to me? You know, David, I don't know if they're connected. I mean, maybe you can give me your opinion on this. Is it connected? Is it is it is it up to the league or is it up to the team? to make their team important in their own particular market. I mean, I'll bring his name up again. Omar Doman has done something in British Columbia. Now, you could say Nathan Rourke has been the, the lollipop, but there's something there that he is hooked into that crowd, that you know, the, the Canucks, maybe they're struggling or whatever, but something's going on there where the, the Lions seem to have some type of rebirth this season. Yeah, I don't think like people are saying the CFL needs to step in. I don't think the CFL needs to step in. I just think the 
yeah, Amar Dolan, you bring up a good point in that he really pushed to get the the Lions to the stats that they are right now. The Argonauts, you know, there a lot of the fans. You talk to a lot of fans. There's some dis this. There's a base a disconnect there. A lot of them feel like they're an afterthought. Even those who are season ticket holders, they feel like they're not appreciated by ownership or the team's not appreciated by ownership. So if that's already a thought process with the people who are you know paying and helping supporting this team, imagine those who kind of casually follow the team. And I think that's really the problem here is it's too casually followed in Toronto, this team. Like the lead, the the team itself should be trying to get you know more local news stations to be coming out to games to cover it. You go to a Leaf game it's like you're shoulder to shoulder with uh, with trying to get, you know, questions from uh, Sheldon Keefe. I go in Argo practice and it's me like we're comfortably getting a chance to t- chat with the players, which is great for us because we get the access that we, we need. But it also just shows that if if no one's able to see this team and, and read about it on a consistent basis, how are you going to really get a connection with it? There's really just that lack of connection across the board it's not one network it's the whole city in general just does not give it the spotlight that i think it needs to really reach out to a city that has so many people and it's not just toronto it's all the different suburbs of toronto um they they've they've been trying to get to the younger fans they've been trying to get to the schools to the to the youth football and that's the other thing too is you know supporting these youth football teams to get these kids interested in playing the game and that, that connection they've been trying to rebuild it. It's going to take time. And I think that's the important thing is you, it's not going to happen overnight. It is going to take time, but you have to find a way to get that connection back. That's just been missing for so long. Matt, I, I don't, I mean, and again, this is the more of a commissioner thing and something I'm sure he'll speak about as we talk about attendance and we talk about getting out there to a younger crowd. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the game. I watched those games yesterday. That was good football. Like those yes. were good football games. Those yeah. were great representations of each division. And I know we laugh about the East and what a lousy year it was, but I thought that was a competitive football game and fun to watch. And then in the West game, yeah, there was some goofiness and some incompletions and Nathan Rourke didn't play like we expected him to play, but it was a good football game that you had to watch all four quarters. So I feel like there's nothing wrong with the game. Oh, no, I, I agree. I think any problems with the game is a cyclical nature when you have a down period with quarterback play. And by the way, we see that in the NFL. And there's 32 teams there, and you can only list a handful of quarterbacks that you really trust. And it's the same thing here. You know why yesterday's game was great in the East? Because Trevor Harris was awesome. McLeod Bethel-Thompson was awesome. I mean, Chad Kelly, uh, the 46-yarder yeah. and the goofiest touchdown celebration. He looked like me at a, at a, on a wedding floor. But <laughs> what you had was aesthetically pleasing football because you had high-end quarterback play. And that, to me, everything that to me is always the first thing. You want to make um, a BMO Field more of an it place? Find the next Nathan Rourke. Find a quarterback who was born in Toronto. Sell that story get that sort of sense of ownership. This is a guy who grew up in Mississauga and and went to school in Scarborough, whatever. But no, there's nothing wrong with the CFL. It's just the ebbs and flows. Go back and look. I always bring this up in 2004, I think it was, when Solomon Aluminium won the MOP. That was a stinky year of football. Why? Because a linebacker won the most outstanding player because you either had injuries 
or young quarterbacks breaking into the game. And that's sort of just the ebb and flow of football, but it gets highlighted more when you're in a nine-team league. You know, yeah, I think you hit the Boy, that's a great one, Matt, because uh, Morley, help me out here. I'll use your market here. Um, t- Taylor Cornelius, is is he selling tickets? Like, is is it, are people going out to see him? Or, I mean, and you bring up Nathan Rourke. Well, from what it sounds like, and I've watched his last two games, thank goodness the TSN has broadcasted the last two games, Nathan Rourke's little brother looks like he's got a stronger arm than him and looks like he's a better passer than Nathan Rourke is. Maybe the an Argonauts or an, an Elks team, maybe they get him, get him into this league. Yeah, he might end up in the NFL before he gets to the CFL. I think that uh, with him, he's he's been great for sure the last few weeks. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's all about it's all about finding exciting players. It goes back to a topic we hit on earlier. It's like one year contracts. I think are are killing people. I mean, you need guys to be in your market for a few years, and you don't want a fan to buy uh, as let's see the case would be in Edmonton, uh, Devaris Daniels jersey, and then he's gone the next year. Uh, you know, and and it, there's so many cases of that around the league. Guy like uh, Larry Dean's played on like four teams in four years. He's a star. He's a really good linebacker. But, uh, you know, you can't buy jerseys anymore. You can't. Uh, it, I think it makes it tough for the fans to feel connected. And I think that's part of it. And, and you know, as far as, you know, in Edmonton, Taylor Cornelius probably not selling tickets uh, very much right now. But I think people got a look at what he can do. And I think they've got a couple other guys around him that people got excited about. Uh, and, and I think, you know, in Edmonton, for the first time in probably two years, they have a few players who people are excited to come and see play and they hadn't had that for a few years and i think that's that's what you have to do you have to find those players and and i know uh the Alex have already signed those players to extensions and people know that uh that dylan mitchell and and uh, and kevin brown and taylor Cornelius are going to be around for the next three years because they've all signed contracts so that's that's part of it right uh, finding people who can make plays who electrify the crowd who sell tickets and get them under contract for long term david great cup winner score Oh, I'm going to go with the Blue Bombers. I'm going to say 24-18. Maddie? I'm very close as CFL.ca's picks winner again. I'm going to go with I, like I, my head screamed 24-20. So I, I feel bad like I just bid $1 more on, on uh, Prices Right than what David did. But I'm going. Uh, I'm going 24-20 Winnipeg. Morley, uh, I'm going to go uh, Winnipeg 24-13. I'm looking at the weather forecast here, and I see uh, minus eight for the low, minus nine for the high. No snow. A little bit of snow on Wednesday, but uh, Wednesday on no snow, so I don't think the field will be an issue. The cold might, and that's going to favor Winnipeg, I believe, moving forward. But I think the Bombers uh, are just too good, and maybe if it's. Uh, if it's not Zach Claris at quarterback, maybe I'll take a touchdown off of that and make it like 17-13 or something like that. But Winnipeg's going to win in my bank. Wow, guys. I'm actually surprised at how close you guys have the scores. That's uh, that, it, Let's hope that we're going to see a good game. I think that's what we all would agree. I think anywhere around the nation when it comes to Canadian football, we just want to see a good championship game and something that uh, doesn't force 
football fans to turn to the other league at halftime, which uh, I don't know. It should be an interesting halftime show as well, too. So, hey, guys, you guys have been outstanding and really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for contributing to the CFL this week. Uh, Maddie, David, Morley, just great stuff all season long. We really appreciate you checking in. Morley, where do we find you when we want to talk Canadian football? Uh, you can uh, catch me on Twitter at uh, Morley underscore Scott. Instagram's the same. Uh, and I'm uh, doing morning sports on 6.30, Chad, uh, every morning, and you can get that through the Radio Player Canada app if you really want to hear. David, I know you're in for a busy week talking some Argos football. Where do we find you? Yep, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Morissuti, and, yeah, follow my work on sportsnet.ca and uh, my personal stuff over, over at my Substack. And Maddie, tons of credit to you uh, keeping that Canadian Football League alive on you. I guess you're what two to four on, uh, or sorry, one to four. It's uh, right now. It's two to four, one to four after the hockey season is done. And uh, I was on the morning show today, and uh, you know we had Farhan Lalji on, and we were doing a bunch of uh, CFL talk there as well. But yeah, yeah mcos fifty six on Twitter. And I'm sorry for the dog Louie who uh, got in a little too much on the show today. <laughs> it had everything to do with your pronunciations. That's all. <laughs> yeah, they're never good. <laughs> hey guys, once again, thank you so much. Hey folks, again, uh, we're coming down to the end of the season championship match to come. You heard some of the big topics that we're going to be steaming about. Uh, and again, we'll break it down at the end of the Grey Cup. It's uh, hopefully what we, again, we believe will be a very, very good game. This is the CFL this week on the Tie Cats Audio Network. Find us on YouTube, your favorite podcast carriers. We're always there and available. And Number one in the country talking about Canadian Football League. So enjoy your Grey Cup week. Hopefully you get in some type of party and uh, enjoy the game, folks. And we'll break it down next week on the CFL This Week on the Ticats Audio Network. The CFL This Week with Bubba O'Neill. Subscribe, like, and get the deepest takes on Canada's game every Monday.